Chapter Eighteen of One Commonplace Day by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Hedged in. I don't live so far away that I need to ride home," said Miss Hunter as she climbed into the carriage. "But then I have to go away down street, not far from where you live, and I would rather ride than walk if it is agreeable to you. But I think you must be mistaken in the person. I am nothing in the world but an old maid who gets her living by sewing for the tailors day in and day out. I'm not likely to be the sort of person you would choose for a friend. Miss Wainwright surveyed her guest reflectively. Why not? she asked at last. I'm an old maid myself. I may have a little more money than you, but I don't know as I am any worse on that account if I use it properly. Aren't we at work for the same master? The command to me was to serve with all my heart and mind and soul, and to love my neighbor as well as I do myself. Are your orders any different? Not a whit, said Miss Hunter heartily. I shouldn't wonder if we would agree. What are you trying to do? Everything. I can't center myself. I tried to, but new things come up every hour. I began with Peter, who drives my horses, but that very day I went to a picnic and got mixed up with a dozen people who all seemed to belong to my work. Then I tried to locate my energies on John Hartzell, but here are these people this morning claiming my attention, and I find I am about as interested in Kate Hartzell as I am in her brother, though I am not sure that she is in need of any particular help. Then there are two or three boys, young men I suppose they call themselves, who interest me wonderfully, and so it goes. I'm all divided up. For the matter of that, the verse that started me is not very exclusive. Whatsoever ye do, it said. The trouble is, while I am engaged in doing one thing, another springs up beside it that seems to need doing, and divides the interest. I know and Miss Hunter nodded, her bright eyes twinkling appreciatively. I get let off that way myself, but there is one thing on which I am centered, and it has byways and lanes enough to keep me busy. I'm bound to fight rum always and everywhere. In whatever form and among whatever people I find it, I am its sworn foe, pledged to circumvent it if I can. Miss Wainwright's smile was pleasant to see. "'Then I know what Mr. Durant meant,' she said. "'Good, I'm with you. I complained of not having a helpmeet. We'll work together. Where do you live?' "'Here,' said Miss Hunter, glancing from the carriage. "'That brown door with the old-fashioned lock on it is mine.' It was not very far from the region known as the Flats, and was certainly not an improvement on them. Where that region was lined with filthy-looking homes and filthy children, this was lined with saloons and restaurants of the lower kind, and abounded in drunkards. "'Here,' said Miss Wainwright, drawing back in dismay, "'couldn't you have done better than that?' "'Oh, yes, I could. There was a clean little room on Webb Street where only decent people live. That I could have got.' I sew for the man who owns it, and I could have had it at a bargain, and there's no denying that I wanted it. But I put that want down with some others, and told them to let me alone. I was coming just here to live, and nowhere else. But why? persisted Miss Wainwright. It is a bad place for a woman alone, certainly. What made you think you ought to do such a thing? Well, now, I'll tell you. 
if you look up and down the street you will see that there isn't a decent place nor a safe one for a tempted man within a block on either side they all sell rum in some form this room was to be rented with the rest there was as evil a looking man after it the day i rented it as ever i saw he wanted to make a pool room of it i thought it all over the things i could do and the things i couldn't if i had had money i should have rented the room and fitted it up nice and homelike and hired a nice homelike old man to come and keep it and had it a bright clean lounging place for the boys who were not so far astray but that they could appreciate its clean bright looks and ways but i hadn't the money you see and so i had to do the best i could oh you needn't look shocked i'm no would-be reformer trying to turn the world upside down mixing white with black until a looker-on can't tell which is which i remember that i'm a woman i can't invite them in poor fellows and give them a pitying word now and then as i'd like to i have to keep my doors closed and locked but all day and all the evening i keep my shades up there's a room upstairs where i sit and sew but downstairs there isn't a soul to be seen, only a cheery fire in the grate, and a round table with a red cloth on, in the middle of the room, and a newspaper on it, and the big old Bible that my father used to read out of, and a rocking chair at the left, and a little smaller chair just the other side, both of them empty, and the room as bright as a good-sized lamp will make it. It's a picture, don't you see? I don't know how many poor fellows who stagger by had homes like it once, where maybe the mothers and fathers sat and waited for them. Sometimes I think it is a good thing that the chairs always have to be empty, because they will remind some of them all the plainer that the mothers and fathers are gone. Well, there I keep the room, looking as much like a picture of a neat plain home as I can, and I stretch the shades just as high as I can, and then I go upstairs and make buttonholes, and pray that the Lord will use the one clean place on this street somehow for his glory. I have to leave the how with him. But the chairs won't always be empty, I hope and pray. I want to get acquainted with wives and mothers, and get them to trusting me, and then when they come hunting their treasures who are lost in this street, I want them to learn to slip in here and wait and watch, and if they can get hold of the husband or the son, to drop into this clean spot with him, and try to coax him back. I don't know what will come of it, I am sure. It is the best thing I could plan, and I'm trying it. I have only been here a month. The chairs haven't been used yet, only on Sundays, I use them then. I have a class of boys down at the Mission Chapel in the morning, and I coax them to drop in on Sunday afternoon. They won't stay at home, and home is such a dreadful place for them anyway, I suspect, so I coax them in. I want to have a little something to tempt them with, an apple or a bite of cake if I can manage it, or even a bit of candy now and then. They are young poor fellows, and they have had none too much petting in their lives. There are only four of them. It is a queer way to work, I know, and maybe not overwise, but I haven't seen any way clear to any other plan i'm tired of folding my hands and waiting for folks who are wiser than i to give me something to do when they get it ready i'll help do it if i can but while i'm waiting i may as well work along in those ways that i can think of i know they wouldn't do for everybody i wouldn't take a class of little girls at the mission because i could not invite them to my house it is no place for girls to come 
but I am old and homely and decent, and almost everybody knows it. A woman of fifty, without any family of her own, can do a dozen things that wouldn't have done for her at twenty, you know. Miss Hunter had talked on rapidly, and Miss Wainwright had not been able to interrupt, at first because of her astonishment, and afterward because of a choking in her throat. She could not have explained what the thought of that clean little room shining out of that moral desert was to her. She made one comment only when the voluble voice ceased. Such things take money. You may as well be glad that the silver and the gold are his. I'm sure I'm glad that he has made me one of his stewards. Then she told to Miss Hunter the story of the prayer meeting from its first inception up to this coming evening when they hoped to gather for the first meeting. Miss Hunter listened and nodded and asked questions and nodded again and said with an emphatic voice as the carriage stopped to let her down at the point she had mentioned, good i'll be there the thing grows doesn't it as the carriage turned the corner miss wainwright saw mr cleveland coming toward them and waited for him i wonder if you are the person i want to see was her greeting there are two men who ought to find employment to-day and the probability is that either satan's stewards or the lord's will furnish it for them the question is which I've engaged for life with the latter, Mr. Cleveland said. Who are they, and what can they do? Can you recommend them? For what? Honesty and sobriety and industry? No, I can't. I don't know anything about their honesty, and I know they will not be likely to keep sober all day unless some force outside of their weak wills is brought to bear on them. And as for industry, they may have forgotten how to work for all I know but for being sorely tempted souls who have a faint desire to live different lives from what they have of late i can recommend them wasn't that as much as could be said of you mr cleveland when the lord took hold of you quite as much he said gravely i am ready to do what i can for them on that recommendation there followed a conference as to ways and means and miss wainwright went home to get ready for the evening I do not think that the faith of one reached so far as to expect John Hartzell to be among the number who attended that Saturday evening prayer meeting. Yet he was there. Not that he had intended it. It was one of those singular combinations of apparently trivial things, of which we speak when we say, it happened thus and so. John Hartzell had found work the remainder of that day in Mr. Cleveland's own grounds, under his watchful eye he had taken his supper there a most bountiful one intended to quiet as much as food and drink could do it the cravings of an unnatural appetite he was still there when mr cleveland's man peter went for the afternoon mail and lloyd mclean just happened to raise his eyes as the man was helping himself at the lock-box and said i suppose you don't know anything of the whereabouts of a fellow named hartzell do you here is a letter for him so the letter had gone up in the late mail and had been handed to john as he arose from the supper-table beautiful writing john hartzell esq i don't suppose you have any idea what a strange sensation the name thus written gave to the fallen man he sat down in the rustic chair on the back piazza and read the letter mr cleveland came toward him just as it was concluded 
he arranged for future day's works and complimented john on his faithfulness that afternoon and asked him finally if he would stop at miss wainwright's on his way home with a basket of choice apples that his mother wished to send her he thought of the prayer meeting it is true but decided that it would not do to invite john to attend john hartzell carried the apples and keziah as she opened the door to him happened to remember that miss wainwright had said that afternoon if i could see john hartzell i would give him this box to carry home just as it is there are a dozen things in it his wife would find useful so keziah said wait a minute miss hannah wants to see you and miss wainwright on being summoned was thrilled with a sudden hope and said oh john hartzell i don't know but the lord has sent you here at this very minute if you honestly want to be a man as you told me you did only yesterday come in and stay with us this evening we have met to pray for you john old friend will you do this for me for the sake of old times if you hear of a prayer meeting anywhere on saturday evening won't you go to it it was in a prayer meeting that i got just the help i needed help which has lasted ever since that was one sentence in john's letter he remembered the words distinctly he had sneered over them in a sad hopeless kind of way the idea of his hearing of a prayer meeting he did not believe in the first place that there was such a thing in eastwood and in the second place how would it be possible for him to know anything about it and as for going the people would think him crazy yet here was the prayer meeting and here was his invitation to enter it gave john hartzell a strange feeling as of one surrounded hedged in by some solemn unseen force theoretically he was acquainted with god he had a general knowledge of the orthodox belief in the presence in this world of the holy spirit and in his power over hearts was god calling john hartzell almost like one dazed and without a word in reply he pulled off his shabby hat and followed miss wainwright into the parlor where by the south window sat his wife and sister End of chapter eighteen